Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Beautiful people, do you want a new credit card but you're not sure how to choose? The good news is you don't need to apply for the first offer you see in the mail. Credit Karma can help you zero in on the right option for you and help you apply with more confidence. Credit Karma uses your credit profile to show you offers that are tailored to your financial situation. They also partner with a wide range of credit card issuers so you can be sure that you are exploring all sorts of options. Best of all, Credit Karma uses your credit data to show you your chances of approval before you even apply, helping you apply with more confidence. Comparing cards on Credit Karma is 100% free and won't affect your credit scores. So are you ready to find the card for you? Head to Credit Karma and check out your personalized mix of offers today. Go to creditkarma.com or the Credit Karma app to find the card for you. That's creditkarma.com. Hi, beautiful people. Today we have an exciting debut. This is a project that I'm calling Sideshow because I have been just dying to let my hair down, talk to friends and people that I know who are doing dope things in the world that have amazing things to say. Lauren and I live together. This is my co-host, Lauren Schweitzer. Hello. (laughs) And we have so many incredible conversations just in our living room, in front of the fireplace, about all different kinds of topics that I personally rarely hear addressed in the mainstream, out in media. So we want to bring these conversations to you. And today, our first conversation is going to be really hearkening to next week's episode with the incredible Sarah Ziff. Sarah Ziff is a model who founded the Model Alliance in 2012, and she is doing incredible work advocating for human rights, labor rights, our right to not be sexually violated in the industry or be held to impossible by standards that are killing and harming so many individuals in that section of the industry. So that's going to be quite a serious but fun conversation. Sarah is so knowledgeable. We go into so many different things. So to kick this off, Lauren and I are going to share particularly harrowing nightmare experiences that we've had in the modeling industry because it's not all bad not all bad but it's definitely not all good definitely not all good <laughs> okay so lauren do you want to share some particular experiences with us please i have a lot of stories but one of them to for people that don't really like understand the whole modeling thing is um i worked for bcbg like behind the scenes i was putting on all the clothes that the runway models would wear so i was standing in heels for like hours on end 
my feet hurt, my knees hurt, my, you know, everything. Um, and you have injuries to your body. I so do. Lauren's in chronic pain anyway. So this is like exacerbating yeah. what she's feeling. Yes. And working with, um, not nice people. <laughs> it's just true. So, um, yeah. Uh, what was I saying? So for four months, you worked at BCBG. So for four months, every day, basically, I worked at BCBG. They didn't pay me. Oh, they have an 80-room uh, mansion on the hills, but they didn't pay me for nine months. Uh, so I didn't have any money. Uh, I walked into the agency so many times and, you know, politely, uh, do you have my money? And he told me to get out of his office. He doesn't want to hear me say anything again about money. All I care about is money. And, uh, he accused you. Of yeah, all I care. care about is money. So that happened with the same guy. The same guy told me I booked a job. I was living in New York at the time, had to fly to California, like in the peak oh, on your own dime, on my own dime in the peak, you know, season. So it was very expensive. I get there and he's like, Oh, his name's James, by the way. <laughs> James at Wilhelmina, we got you. Um, <laughs> and he was like, oh, uh, oh, shoot, I forgot to tell you, you didn't book that job. So, you know, that's just like one of the examples. So you paid for your, on your own dime, got there, and he was like, what? Wow. Love it, love it. And then, you know, there's, of course, dark sides to this. Um, you know, I, I did a fashion show for Pierre Cardin, like up in upstate New York. There were a lot of young girls. I was a seasoned mom, like seasoned mom. <laughs> I was a seasoned mom and, uh, I was a seasoned model and I was, well, that was a Freudian slip because yeah, I was like, what you're mom. saying is there was like, there was so many young people in the room because in modeling you start like 14, 13, sometimes 12 years old. And they didn't pay as well, by the way. Uh, we're standing around in this circle and there is staff from staff, old men staff. There was a brother and sister there. They were twins and they were both 16. Okay. Just to set the standards. She said, strip, strip like this. And I just laughed, you know, and she made everybody take off their bra, except me, because I'm the seasoned mom, as I established. And everyone was looking at these young children. And so the 16-year-old sister had to strip in front of her brother yeah. and take her top off. Yes, they were very uncomfortable. They were very traumatized. They didn't make you take your top off because you were older? I refused to. Oh, you refused to. Yeah. So yeah. this is the kind of thing that Sarah Ziff is working her ass off to change because yeah. what we're trying to tell you is that children, like we said, are involved in these situations where their sexuality, their bodily autonomy, their right to privacy or private nudity was completely erased the moment they signed with modeling agencies. This is a common story that happens all the time. It's a standard that women have had to strip naked at runway shows with predatory photographers behind the scenes. Oh, in 2018, the Model Alliance uh, established private changing rooms at the Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week. 2018. Of course, I have a couple stories of my own. Let's also address off the bat, you know, there is not inclusivity in these stories because when we were modeling as well, it was tall, wafy white girls. Yeah. And then they would throw in one black girl, mm -hmm. like talk about tokenizing. It was always like, we're doing this shoot mm -hmm. and let's make sure to throw this Asian girl mm -hmm. in there or whatever. And it's really despicable how much 
we were set up as a very, you know, a standardized beauty image and everyone else was completely discluded. So I will say, I understand that when people, models, especially of our era, I guess, complain about these things, you know, there's also the unfairness that we were even the only ones that were allowed through the door. And I recognize that, but... (laughs) It's still completely fucked up. So many of the things that happened to you. I was invited to um, model abroad in London through Next Modeling Agency. Have Next. (laughs) (laughs) And when I got there, it was a sister agency called Lenny's in London. And I showed up there and, you know, you're just like fresh off the plane. You don't really know what's going on. They slipped me this contract that must have been 50 pages or longer. So much legal jargon. I'm sure they looked at you while you signed it. (laughs) Yeah, right? Yeah, they're just like over your shoulder and they're super casual about everything. They're like, welcome to London. I can't do a London. Welcome to London, (laughs) town. You have such a luck in London. Perfect. I know. So at one point, one of the agents, super casually, again opens up this drawer and is like did you need a cell phone while you're here like did you go to the market yet to get a burner phone and I was like oh no that'd be great so she just hands me this phone that I can use while I'm in London don't ever think about it again when I go back to next I had worked for a month and a half you know, made X number of dollars. I don't even know how much, but a month and a half of work every day, I have $750 in a check. (laughs) And I was like, but experience, (laughs) so much experience. And I look at my check and I'm like, WTF is this. And I'm going back and forth with the agencies. They had charged me for everything, like $15 to print out every single picture of me, like $75 for the modeling book, just expenses everywhere, everywhere. And then I looked and that burner phone had cost like $45 a day. And that's in pounds when the exchange rate was horrible. So it was like $80 a day. That's crazy. (laughs) Like it's, it's kind of highway robbery a little bit. The abuses that take place in these industries are possible, not only possible, but probable because they're completely unregulated without the help of Sarah Ziff and the Model Alliance and what she is doing. Mm. So let's introduce our prestigious and gorgeous guest. Margot Brooke is a model, actress, and Twitch partner based in Los Angeles, California. She's most well-known for her 20-plus years in the modeling industry and more recently for her role as Eloise in Marvel's Legion on Netflix. Her hobbies include screenwriting, playing video games, and golf. What a hot nerd. What a hot nerd. You're a nerd. (laughs) I like it. Hi. Hi, Margot. Hi, how are you guys? <laughs> this is the only time we hang out, Margo. I know. We see so much of each other on, on social media, I feel I like know. these days. Right. We're just, friends. <laughs> we just don't know it. Exactly. So for context, I, I, I was always aware of Margo because she's very beautiful and people in LA know her. She's like a successful LA model. And we did an A-track video together where we were riding a bull. And that was, I was yeah. like, I wonder if this girl's going to be a brat. And then you were so lovely and had a great day with you. <laughs> that was one of the most fun shoots I've ever done. Seriously. Oh, it was what? a blast. So yeah, that. it was really fun. I remember seeing an Instagram story or something and being like, what the hell? Like they didn't invite me kind of vibes. <laughs> you know? Like Margo and Brenda. And me and Brenda met <laughs> a shoot too. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's how. Oh, I- really? Yeah. Should we say who it is? 
Well, yeah, we met on the set of a No Doubt video. Woo! No Doubt! Oh, That's yeah. so sick. <laughs> video that never saw the light of day for reasons that we'll explain later. <laughs> but it was fun. And we uh, became best friends. So Yeah, so, and then you guys met. Yeah, so Margot, I think we met at a fashion show in LA, you know, when yeah. you... Yeah, was that? it the first Stand and Deliver? I can't yeah, remember you, what the, you opened, remember? the brand was. Yeah, I, I think that was Stand and Deliver. <laughs> it was such a weird fashion show, too. It was so weird. <laughs> I mean, LA Fashion Week has been LA like and really Jeff. weird yeah. for a long time. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, and we all, we both had our hair like super messy. And I remember being like, oh, that girl is like so cute. <laughs> and I probably had a crush on you. Now I know that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was pleasure. It was pleasure doing business. That was the brand. Those are like wrap skirts. Business. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's a cute name. Yeah, it was. But um, yeah, and Margot was great. And then so I followed her on Instagram and she used to write this really great blog. I used to follow it. And Aww. yeah, it's Chateau Margot. My, my Tumblr. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is old days. We're dating ourselves. But back in the day. Yeah, back in the day. But, and then I, you know, followed her, she went abroad. So I'm like, you know, getting the inside scoop when she's like, you know, modeling abroad and stuff like that. And then I ended up in New York um, for LA Fashion, LA Fashion Week, for New York Fashion Week. And I saw Margot there. And Margot, it was when you had that like Lisbeth Salander hair. And you were like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so hot. But, and um and she was like kind of the new, like people were like excited about her and, you know, stuff like that. I remember talking to you and you're like, they say I'm short or like something, you know, <laughs> stupid. Yeah, how but, tall are you, Margo? I am five, eight, but in the modeling industry, I am five, nine <laughs> okay, <laughs> because good. being short is a thing. Although five, eight nowadays is actually like pretty five. standard. I feel like a I, lot of models are shorter <laughs> nowadays. They Everything's all, changed. I know. They all took a deep breath and were like, oh, wait a minute. Doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, okay. So we want to start this off light and share <laughs> funny experiences. You can start this off like embarrassing shoot where you're just like, oh my God, how did I end up here? Oh, you want me to start it yeah. off? Sure thing. I've got tons of them. So um, <laughs> I moved to New York. I signed with uh, Muse and I was like, Oh, yeah, I'm gonna, you know, they're like, you're gonna be like Prada, this. They're like <laughs> telling me this, right? So I go on my first shoot and it's outside of New York City in upstate New York. And I'm like, woo! And I'm on the train, super excited. I get there and it's for a crocheted hat company. <laughs> and it's like an old lady business. And I'm wearing a shamrock hat because it's St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. And my mom loves that photo and posts it every time, every birthday I have. She's like, look at my beautiful Lauren. And they closed my gap in it and stuff. Like it's me with hat. <laughs> no gap. And that was my first modeling job. Thank you, Muse. <laughs> Margo, do you have any equivalent horror shows to share? <laughs> Uh, I mean, as far as like ridiculous shoots go, I think the most like, how did I end up here photo shoot was I, I modeled nurses scrubs once. And that was like, wild. I was like, nurses okay, scrubs. so I'm just, it, yeah. And it was like scrubs. And there were some that had like Spider-Man on them or you know, <laughs> like 
pretty painted flowers. And I just did that all day. And there was like a male model who like, I mean, no one's going to believe this guy is a doctor kind of a thing. And I'm just like, okay. (laughs) So what are your experiences with agencies? Like you heard us share our horror stories. Like I've, I really have nothing good to say about the major agencies, just anecdotally from everyone I've talked to, including myself, my experiences, but you know, you're welcome to be like, I actually have a great time. Like, I just want to know how it is. I mean, like I, I, I know I've worked with some agents that are like really great people. Yeah. There were like two of them, but (laughs) you know, they can find their way in. And also like, like, how did you get into the agencies in the first place? How'd you get here? So I started modeling when I was nine years old, actually in Atlanta, Georgia. My mom sent me to this agency called Arlene Wilson, which I'm not sure if they're still around anymore, to be honest. Um, but I used to do like Arlene paper ads. Like broad, so maybe not. <laughs> Doesn't she? I think she was actually. I remember she was pretty old when I signed with them. So great, to be honest. <laughs> Oh, okay. So I signed with Arlene Wilson when I was about nine years old. And I just, it was really easy when being a kid model, honestly, like my mom drove me everywhere and she would just sit on set with me all day. And I would just get to like play with other kids and take pictures basically. But it was like I was saying, it was Sunday newspaper ads for like Target, Dillard's, Neiman Marcus. I think like the most creative thing I did, I did an editorial for Neiman Marcus that was like Cinderella themed, Hmm. but it was like a little, it was very pretty. It was a little weird because it was like, there was like the kind of Cinderella when she becomes a princess and then like the pre where she's like dusting you know, <laughs> soot and stuff. And, but you're dressed in like high fashion and you're like nine years old. I'm like, this is so weird. <laughs> that's, that's the modeling industry for you. Yeah. Wow. I would have been so incredibly jealous if I was friends. Oh, with that me time. too. I'm like, oh, she gets to pretend that bitch rags to riches. <laughs> she gets to be a peasant and then a princess. Like what? <laughs> exactly so Um, so your mom was originally the one that was interacting with the agents and stuff mm -hmm. yeah yeah experiences like did she have to like advocate for you was she one of those loosey-goosey moms that's like just throw her in a fire pit with an alligator (laughs) um I don't think I ever got put in any like crazy like compromising positions as a kid um I do remember she just had to always be on set until I was about 16 then she didn't have to come with me anymore but most of the time there was a teacher on set which legally they're supposed to have a teacher on set if you're under I believe 16 and maybe it's 18 I'm not sure but um so yeah, there's usually a teacher on set, not always, but she was pretty chill about everything. I think the the only time, I I mean, yeah, nothing really crazy happened. I actually did end up modeling with um Emily Ratajkowski when we were both like 12 years old, 12 or 14 years old. And if you know Emily Ratajkowski, she's like very... Uh, developed and she was at a very young age like when she was 14 she had the breast she has now basically so yeah and we had to do like we used to shoot for teen magazine a lot and so we did do like a bikini shoot once which like sounds weird but it was just like a swimsuit shoot but like for her it was like a little bit more intense because she was so developed and for me I look like a little kid still so Mm. I'm like I feel like her experiences were probably a little more intense than mine but did you mm -hmm. have a revelation in retrospect or do you remember feeling like that that in the moment like she was more sexualized and you were less or is this like 
I mean, to be honest, when I was little, I just wished I was like, I wish I had boobs like that. <laughs> I was, I was I so jealous. We had boobs like that. <laughs> yeah, still to this. I mean, I still do. Yeah. <laughs> we, the three of us, are definitely the itty bitty titty committee for yeah. sure. Hey, speak for yourself. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Oh, does Margot not have? Well, I think Margot. <laughs> oh, there's nothing going on here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So traveling up in your journey, now you are an adult. When do you transfer from your mom being your advocate to you being the one interacting with agents and stuff? That happened. Uh, so I started kind of going off into my own modeling experiences when I was 16. I was living in Orange County and I started driving up to LA like by myself, going to castings, meeting with agencies, all that stuff. And I signed with Elite, I think when I was 17. Yeah, they were my first big like LA agency was Elite. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember that was really intense. I don't know if we're calling out people, but there's an agent there named Victor who <laughs> I think is still there, which is kind of crazy. Um, but he was just like the worst person ever. And he was always like telling you like, you need to be skinny and you need to work out. And like me back then, like I swear when I was 17, I weighed 95 pounds. Like, yeah. and that was natural for me, but like to tell me to lose weight, I was like, God, I can't imagine what other models are like facing that are taller than me and are just naturally way more than me. So that was like very intense, (laughs) but it was like, every time you came to the agency, they were like, are you working out? Are you like doing this, doing that? And I'm like, okay. I think it's just this theory that like a lot of agents had pay their dues kind of thing. Like you have to pay your dues, but Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, bringing Mm -hmm. up weight is just a standard question. I feel like no matter how skinny you are, they're like, well, you could be skinnier. So yeah, because they hate you. (laughs) It feels like hate, but anyway. Well, and the, the ironic part is like you, they tell you to be skinny all the time, but then you get on set. And the first thing you always hear, I'm sure you guys have heard this a million times is, wow, you need to eat a cheeseburger. And I'm like, well, you hired me. Like, do I need to gain weight? Or is this the weight that you want? (laughs) Like, I don't get it. Or the clothes don't fit you. You know, and it's, yeah. your fault. <laughs> it's your fault. The clothes don't fit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Have you ever had anyone suggest? Um, well, I mean, I don't know if you've ever encountered this because from what I know of you, you seem to stay pretty standard in your body. Like it doesn't seem like you have many weight fluctuations. Like how did it impact mm-hmm having someone say that, like, where did you always have the wherewithal to be like, I'm skinny as hell and I'm fine. Or did it get in your brain at all? Um, I think I just got self-conscious about my weight. Like I never, I never felt like I needed to be skinnier. I was like, I know I'm skinny. Like anyone can see that. But I've been told even since I was like little that I'm like skinny, but I was, if you look at pictures of me as like a kid and stuff, like I'm just a rail, you know? So it's like, I, there's nothing I can really do about it. I've tried, like I used to take, um, like protein shakes and stuff when I was little and like nothing stayed on me. And to this day, it's like really hard for me to gain a substantial amount of weight, but I just got self-conscious where like every photo shoot, someone would be like, you're so skinny. Like you need to eat more. And I'm just like, I can't gain any weight. So it was just like frustrating, always feeling like people assumed that I was like 
anorexic or had any kind of eating disorder or something. And I'm just defending myself constantly that I don't, and no one believed me. And it's just like, that was really hard for me Mm. more than anything. Yeah. Even just that to like sit in your body, how does that make you feel like? Yeah. mm. Yeah. It's just, I don't know. So many comments like that, where it's like, just, you know, don't judge people if you don't know them. Like you're seeing me for 10 hours today, you know, it's like, if you saw me all the time, you'd know that I eat just fine. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, cause I was going to say, have you ever had anyone suggest some of the more terrible methods of losing weight, which I'm not sure you would have experienced this, but I've talked to other women who had agents be like, you know, if you have to eat cotton balls during fashion week, like it'll make your stomach feel or like, Hey, cocaine really isn't that bad. You should give it a try. Like before, I mean, again, a completely unregulated industry. It was so easy it's for wild, people wild to list. Yeah, say whatever the hell they want. Yeah. But I'm guessing you didn't really have many of those experiences. I didn't, but I did. I did know girls that would do the cotton ball with orange, like soaked in orange juice thing. And like, or they would just eat like, like lettuce, <laughs> like not even like salad, just like lettuce. <laughs> I'm like, that's not food. <laughs> There's no nutrients in that. It's like water basically. But I, yeah, no, there are, there were definitely girls that were killing themselves to, to stay the weight or lose weight, whatever their agent wanted them to weigh, which right. is very intense to watch. When I was in Korea, um, I, I was roommates with this girl that was, she was just naturally a big person. She was like, she's like large stature, very tall, very like, you know, and they would tell her constantly to lose weight. And she was bulimic and she was throwing up in the apartment and they were telling her constantly every day to, and I knew nobody else knew. And I knew, and you know, it's just like, it's painful. They don't know the effect that they have on people. And then it's like a power thing where it's like, yeah. So Yeah. Did you ever have any experiences with like financial, like where the hell is my paycheck from that job that I did months and months ago? Oh yeah. I've I've definitely had financial (laughs) issues in modeling for sure. I mean, I'm assuming a lot of people don't know this, but like your standard wait for a paycheck is three months. So you do a job, you'll get the the money in three months, which is like, how is that sustainable unless you're working constantly? Because then it's like, okay, then you have the money constantly coming in three months after. But like, if you have one month where you didn't work that much, four months down the line or whatever, you're like screwed. So yeah, I definitely, I dealt with that a lot working abroad, um, which I'm sure you you guys know, like they take way more for tax. So like, I remember I worked in Paris for a month and I worked well and I, I did a lot of jobs and I think I ended up walking away with like a thousand dollars because it all went to like the model apartment, yeah. uh, like my book, like you were saying, the website, stuff like that. And then they take 70% for taxes, which they don't tell a lot of models this and they don't tell any models this, yeah, which I Europe. get why they don't want you to in Europe. Yeah. In yeah. Europe, um, that you have to fill out a special tax form in the US basically saying that you are US US citizen and so you don't get double tax on your money. And no agency tells you that. Like I literally just found this out in like 2015 or something where I was like, oh, I don't have to pay the Paris tax. I can just pay the American tax. 
there's like the thousands of dollars that I never got basically because they don't teach you about the tax stuff when it comes to like how to get the money. I did a job for Armani in Milan in 2016 and it was a two day job, I think. Yeah, two days. And I never got paid for it because they were like, if we, if we pay you directly, we're going to take, uh, I think they said 40% of the money. And I was like, well, how do I get the rest? And they're like, oh, you have to get this form. And no, I I kept asking my agents to help me get this form. And they like, were just like, oh, you just go on the IRS website and get it. And I'm like, what's it called? Like, like, it was like all these steps and no one would help me. And I was like, you guys, this is ridiculous. So I just didn't do it for years. And then last year during the pandemic, I was like, you know what? That money would actually be really nice right now. So I finally found, I have a really great mother agent now who's like super helpful and their accountant is super helpful. She's like, here's the form you need. She sent me the link. She's like, fill it out, check this box, check this box, check this box, send it to the IRS. So I did all that. It took a year to get the form back. I send that to Milan. A year? And then a year to get it back. Send it to Milan. They're like, okay, great. So this, we can give you 20% of the money, but you need one more form to get the other. And I'm like, okay, so now I got to fill out another form and wait another You're year. Like, I'm cool. gonna do it. And I'm uh, going to do it, but now I'm just like, you waiting, had that pandemic time. <laughs> yeah. You had time on your hands, you know, lucky for them. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh my God. You just brought back so many memories to me. <laughs> just flooding. I know, right? From like, like just if, if people knew how much money we're actually never right. getting, is cra- it's crazy. It's thousands honest, of dollars. It's mm-hmm. honestly, they are stealing. They are stealing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they're 100%. Like, for example, they these girls, you know, 15 year old from Latvia that, uh, you know, they put into a house. She, she knows, she doesn't know the language. She doesn't know anything. Like she, they put her into a, a room. They charge her like a, like $2,000 a month to live with four other girls. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that is not, that's not the market value. That is not the, Like, what do you think is going on? Like they just do these things. I was in. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm just thinking like they're girls that are in dire circumstances sometimes. And I use that word literally like war-torn countries, women who are in extreme poverty that are scouted from these places and brought to America with a promise of a future. And then they're, they're like, they can't speak the language. They're being charged up the ass for all of these expenses that are going directly to their shitty ass lying robbery agency and then they're being sent home to their war and torn impoverished situation with no money to show for it Mm -hmm. and like just like the shame of like not having accomplished anything and it's insane because they have accomplished and they have made so much money they just got robbed they're telling you abroad I feel like they tell you the job is two thousand when it really is five thousand and they keep mm-hmm. oh well that's another the thing are they even communicating the truth that was to you? in korea korea i was there for four months i really loved my time in korea like i mean i was 22 it was first abroad trip i didn't know the language you know like i was meeting new people and you know uh and my bookers were my friends and they were great i thought you know they're, they're telling me they're taking care of me and you know, whatever we get to the end and i'm there for four months, they told me that I made 35 grand in Mm -hmm. in that time. 
I left with $7,000 and a bunch of fees on top of that. Like, uh, I mean, fee for this fee for that. It was just like, and I looked at them and I said, you guys, you're really doing this. Like, I thought you were my friend. I thought you were my friends. I kept saying, Oh my God, I was 23. I thought you were my friends. Jung Su, I thought you were my friend, you know? And they're just like, sorry, it's how it works. Like we're taking your money and have a good day. You know, I, what a nightmare. Oh, it makes me like, <sighs> makes me anxious. Okay. So we've established that so many of these agencies are horrible organizations. I think when we round up the conversation, I'd love to hear about what your new mother agency is doing that is like yeah. right and honorable. Yeah. We'll, we'll round this up on a high note for the love of God. Yeah. So I think it'd be interesting to talk about embodiment. This is a concept that I love asking people about because <clears throat> it's something that was new to me. I feel like in so many circumstances in my life, I was asked to disembody through my religious practice of being Christian, it was like my flesh is gross and my body, my spirit is divine. With modeling, it was like stay a virgin till marriage, but also like take your top off and be and like super be sexual, sexual or be young and be super sexual, whatever it is, like all these moments where you're like, this is not congruent with what I would feel or what I would choose. Like, for example, I do not like a bunch of people touching my body. Mm-hmm. But in modeling, you just surrender to the idea that anytime you walk in a casting or a room where you've been hired, your body is going to get touched without your, you consent to the touch just by being a model. So like, are there Mm -hmm. things in your life that you've noticed through this career that you're like, maybe looking back on, you're like, I wish I would have said something, or if only all of these awakenings had happened, maybe I would have been able to say this or do this, or maybe you did stick up for yourself in a situation that you can share. Um, I mean, I would say one of the biggest things, and and you guys touched on this a little bit with your own stories, but just like how it's so standard in modeling for you to just change in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I, and I mean, like I said, I've been modeling since I was nine. So, you know, even when I was probably 15, 16, 17 underage, I was definitely getting naked in front of everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like I always wanted to be very professional I always showed up on time. I never complained. And like being a part of that is like, I never wanted to be like the difficult model. I didn't want to ask for special treatment. If we were like shooting in a big warehouse and the restroom is, you know, a five minute walk down the hall I didn't want to be like, Oh, Hey, can I go change like in the restroom or somewhere with like a wall or separation? So I would just change there. But every time I was always just like, I shouldn't have to do this. Or you guys can at least like turn around or go have a conversation. Like you don't need to be standing like around me in a circle while I'm changing, especially when I'm underage. Yes. That is is what I'm trying to like convey the dehumanizing of the fact that like, we don't even, you don't even need a changing area. Like just take off your clothes. Like just hurry up, you know, come on. Like, and of course we all want to be good. Good. We all want to be good little girls. We all want to be good models or like do a good job because it's work, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's crazy. Like, and you know, the castings, you know, how they're like, New York Fashion Week, especially, or like Paris Fashion Week or whatever, you know, they're just like, they're not even meeting you with their eyes. They're just being like, her hips are very strange. And she has this weird gait. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe the other one. And then they don't, they don't even, they don't even tell you to go. They're just 
talking and then oh my god and then yeah. you just go oh oh that's oh I should just go you know I, a lot of like sorry I'm a <laughs> lot of say that I can say that yeah oh a lot of fucking <laughs> now I lost my train of thought <laughs> well I was yeah so are you do you have you had any experiences where people were commenting on you as if you weren't even there because you're just the model um I mean, I definitely have, but I don't, I can't like think of specific comments like off the bat. I've definitely just been told like too skinny, too short, like that kind of a thing. Um, definitely like right in front of my face. <laughs> like I'm not there, but they're talking about me. Um, and, and to talk about like the touching thing, I, I'm, I think it's really big for a lot of models where you kind of learn to like disassociate. So like, Yes. When I'm standing on set and I have, you know, the look on and everybody's like light testing and all that stuff. And then hair and makeup comes in to like touch you. Like I literally zone out so hard. Like I'm like thinking about other things. I don't even like realize that I'm there because if you, once you start having someone like do this with your bangs, like 700 times in a day, like if you yes. pay attention to that, you're going to freak out. Mm -hmm. So you kind of learn to like Zen moment, like not feel anything, which is like, yeah really strange it's <laughs> and so it's definitely weird. like affected I think other parts of my life oh well like wow. do you mind expanding on that I want to know how that translates into real life out of set um I think I mean I think it's 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 worked in like good ways and bad ways like I feel like it takes a lot for me to get irritated now because I've gone through so many things that are very irritating that I can easily kind of zone it out but at the same time I can just zone out in general when I shouldn't be because I'm like if, if I don't like something or something's making me uncomfortable I just like go away in my mind so I think it's kind of made, I don't know, other aspects of my life a little challenging in that way. For me, it was, I don't know. For me, it was very, um, it was very hard because like, you know, what people don't understand is you're, you're facing these humans that have like this huge past behind them and maybe they've been abused. Maybe they've done this. Maybe they like have a weird association with, you know, a certain thing. And people just don't understand that like that touch means like so much more mm -hmm. like them pulling on you, them, you know, someone watching you change, you know, like that's also something like, why, why should we have to forfeit like human, ex our human experiences? Because we're models and we're in the makeup and we're having fun. Yay. I uh, totally uh, relate to what you're saying about the disassociation, but I also felt like they were like meditative moments yeah. and my body was always stretched to its absolute yes. limits. And I was always doing things that I would in no way choose to do in reality. And sometimes it was amazing because I'd be like, all right, I'll go on an ocean in the middle of January and just like feel the freezing water and challenge myself to be super uncomfortable and still like work through it. Like I kind of liked those exercises. It yeah. kind of felt like performance art sometimes. Like when I would watch uh, Marina Abramovich or whatever, like do things where she's like lay on a, an ice cube for 10 hours and that's art. And I'm like, well, I'm doing that. Like, 
Um, and I'm an artiste. <laughs> yeah. Like eating gross food off of a floor, like just doing shit that you're just like, I would never be doing this. But I mean, here I am. Yeah. Like, or like freezing winter, the coldest winter Korea has seen in like 35 years and wear a bathing suit. Yeah. <laughs> Jump around in the snow, which doesn't even make sense. Why am I in a bathing suit when there's snow behind me? But the difference is, are people treating you like a human being while you're being challenged with these things? And this is something that has not been acknowledged in conversation much at all that I've noticed of people just speaking out to be like, can you just acknowledge that I am in a freezing ocean or that you're pinning, pricking me? And even though you're paying me really well, like astronomically well, I still have bad knees and I'm on a cement floor and heels and it just hurts. It's been nine hours and it just hurts. Like, yes. and you're not really given, like you said, like, you're just always like, I'm in here, here to do my best. There's literally thousands of people that will take this job if I don't want to hurt my knees this way. So looks like my knees are just going to be in pain Fuck. today. And I'm going to be like meditating through it to survive. Oh my gosh. That's so, that's so funny that you're saying that because like, that is part of the beauty of, of modeling that I have found the moments with myself where I'm like, I hate this right now. Like <laughs> I'm staring at a white wall. They're going Beep! and the flash and I'm getting blinded and I'm just doing front side back, putting on so many clothes, having so many people touch me. Like you said, Margo, it's just like, you're just like, you know, and you, you, you learn how to like, like get yourself through trying times, basically, <laughs> you know, especially if you're a fit model, I like, feel more apocalypse equipped. Let's put it that yeah, way. So. I was prepared. I was prepared. <laughs> okay. So for time's sake, we're going to have to start rounding it up, but, um, I mean, thank you for sharing all these experiences yes. with us. And so important. Like, thank you. Yeah. Sure. I'm, really curious. Um, let's see. There's an old school way I feel and a new school, and you can tell me if you agree or disagree, but I feel like maybe when I know when I first signed, there was no such thing as like advocating for yourself is the speech that we're all giving to each other, which is beautiful. You couldn't do that because it was like, nobody cares. No one, you're not going to stand up in front of everyone and be like, I will not take my top off. And they're like, well, cool. Like stand aside Next. and we'll get someone else to do it. So I feel like I wonder, and I hope that women and anyone in this industry, regardless of gender, because I know men go through so much, marginalized people go through so much. And only now does it feel like we're allowed to speak up for ourselves because there's like protection behind us. There's the internet. You could TikTok about how someone treated you. Like, yeah, you kind of have power now. Good thing about that. So have <laughs> you noticed a transition from like when you were doing it to now? And this might come with age too. Like maybe how your relationship has changed as you've gotten older as a model. Like, do you feel more comfortable in your own skin or more able to advocate and make this job and profession what you actually want it to be? Um, yeah, I would say a hundred percent. I feel more comfortable now being older. I feel like, especially I see when I see models that are young models, like when I kind of reminds me of like when I was, you know, a, a 15 year old model or whatever, and I see the things that they go through and I'm like, that's not okay. And then I'm like, oh wait, I did that. You know, it's like, so I feel like my age has kind of given me the perspective to like finally realize like, oh, I went through like a lot of things that were not okay. And also 
occasionally, and I'm sure you guys have met people like this on set where there's like that one makeup artist or stylist that's like something's happening and she's like, oh, you you don't have to do that. And I'm yes. like, really? Yes. And yeah. she's like supporting you. And I'm like, this is crazy. <laughs> like, it's like mind blowing, you know? Uh. So I think there have been more people like that on set nowadays, especially women that before, like if you were a stylist or a makeup artist, same thing as modeling. Like if you complain, you're fired. You're not going to get hired by that company again. And maybe it's like a client that they work with a lot. So they want to make them happy. And now I feel like women in particular are kind of standing up for models um, on set and being like, hey, you don't have to do that. Or like, hey, can we get her a robe? Like she shouldn't be walking around without a robe. Like, or if there's a beach, like, do you guys have towels? Do you have a heater? Like that kind of a thing. And I feel like people are really starting to realize like, oh, there's like very minimum standards that you need to like have on set to, to treat someone like a human. Like we shouldn't be passing out because we're wearing fur coats in the sun or, you know, literally our toes and fingers are blue from being at the beach for five hours in freezing water. Like that's not okay. And I think people are slowly but surely realizing that and being more (laughs) supportive of that. That's beautiful. I would agree. I I think um, I, I found that like, you know, there's more like that one advocate for you. That's like, you know, it's more apparent now there's like more people or they're like, are you hungry? Do you want water? Oh my God. Yes. I would love mm-hmm. water. Thank you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Do you want a lunch break? Like the amount of times that no one would let you have a lunch break. You're like, oh, can, can I like, eat? Oh, my. So in conclusion, what would you like to see for people moving forward that are coming into this industry, like in a perfect world, when they walk right into that agency, like what kind of treatment are they getting? And like from beginning to end? I mean, I, what I think would be truly amazing is to have someone as kind of like an advocate for the models that doesn't work for the agency, but is like in the agency, like a human resources person kind of that is like, Hey, here's like exactly how much you're going to be paying for your model apartment, your phone, your book, all this stuff, like spell it out very clearly, especially for the people that are coming from other countries and don't speak English as their first language. And also like, hey, here's the tax forms you need for when you go back home so you don't get paid double tax. Like just everything just laid out and explained and like not nickel and diming people and just hey, you're coming for winter fashion week, maybe bring a, like a winter coat. Or if you don't have one, we'll we'll buy you one. This is how much you'll owe us. Because there were so many girls that were like 15 years old that were coming for New York fashion week. I was like during the polar vortex when it was like literally snowing outside. And there. I had like- We were both there. <laughs> we were there. We were and like, there. luckily I had like a floor length down jacket. I had like two layers of socks. I had I boots, and, but I- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I keep interrupting, but I remember this, Margo. I have this image of you walking down the street in this like full layer thing. Me thinking, I wish I had one. <laughs> well, yeah. And even I'm saying like, I was still freezing because we had 14. I, I mean, at least I did. I had 14 castings a day from 9 a.m. sometimes to like literally 11 p.m. I remember Mark Jacobs, I stayed there till 2 a.m. for the fitting. So it was like, all of these things and also no time to eat because they're like, you have these castings. And so I was literally like getting the slice of pizza and eating it, walking to the next casting kind of a thing. But I saw girls that were wearing 
no joke, like leather boots and skirts in the polar vortex. Their shoes were soaked through. I was like, are you freezing? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you need to get like, like rain, like waterproof boots. She's like, I can't afford them. And I'm like, dude, like, that's so brutal. Like you can't expect someone to to go out and do that for like a week or a week and a half every day with wet shoes. Like it's so messed up. I don't know. (laughs) So I guess just saying that there's an advocate for every new girl that comes into the agency where like, if they need anything, it doesn't seem like they're like complaining or anything like that. It's just like, oh yeah, we're here to help you. If you need something, we got you. Like that's how the standard should be. I think across the board. That's funny that you're saying that because that's what the model Alliance is fighting for right now. And Sarah Ziff, they're fighting for a human resources, basically someone separate from the agency so that you won't get, um, you know, punished for, you know, advocating for yourself. Cause that was mm-hmm. the problem was you would advocate and then you'd get punished. So mm-hmm. how about you, Lauren? What is your Lauren utopia of the modeling <laughs> world? Um, uh, my utopia would be all of the, the witchy people that I have met modeling, like the models that are like, we're in this together, right? Like helping each other and like the beauty with that is that like everybody that we rally together, we support, um, you know, organizations and stuff like model Alliance. We, um, tell you speak up when you see someone being mistreated on a set, Mm -hmm. you be that person, um, to, uh, advocate for someone who can't advocate for themselves, become a model mom in a sense. Yeah, there you go. Full circle. (laughs) Take care of each other. That's what I'm saying. Like, you know. Yeah. And I love that because Margot, you described a utopia, I think. Like that sounds perfect. That is what Sarah Ziff and the Model Alliance are fighting for. Lauren, I love your answer because that is based in practicality. Like, okay, but we are not here yet. And Mm -hmm. um, you know, people, I've seen girls like post TikToks being like, you know, James at Wilhelmina, blah, blah, blah. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm like, thank God we have that. That's great. But also, so yeah, funny. there has to be a meeting of these two things. How can we protect each other? And that is, it's like not having complacency. If you're in a position of power, recognizing your power, recognizing your privilege, whatever yeah. skin you're in, if you're in a privileged identity and make sure that women that are coming from overseas or don't speak English as their first language, are under your wings so they are safe because we are telling you this industry is not safe for people yet, but Sarah Ziff is working on it. Yes. And (laughs) I would say, um, you know, as an older woman now, (laughs) you know, with the wisdom that comes with age and with, with really working on our embodiment, working on our, like, you know, the value that we place on ourselves recognizing someone who doesn't have that yet because mm-hmm. they're young or, you know, other things and, and being that voice for them, you know, being like, this is what you deserve. This is what you deserve. This is what you deserve. Yeah. And if you're in the reverse situation, you're not quite like knowing how to embody that confidence and that self-love that is required to defend yourself in these industries. Mm-hmm. Um, look to mentors, I would say. Like yeah. find women and yeah. people in the industry that are in the advocacy area and just be like, how are they doing it? Also, like, you know, breathe and listen to your gut. If your yes. gut is 
like, even when we were talking about the injustices of modeling, my whole body just tensed up and it felt like this is unfair. This is unfair. You know, if your body is reacting with a gut feeling, that person is not good and don't follow your gut instinct. You know, you will find good people. If you're listening to yourself, your body will take you to the right people. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Beautifully said. Do you have any final thoughts? Can I, I do actually, I wanted to add something to that was just that, um, like you said, there are, there are good people in the industry, but also, and we talked about, you know, our agents and stuff like that. And like, I'm sure we could all be like, I was personally victimized by James at Wilhelmina. (laughs) (laughs) Mean girls moment. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But um, I guess, and and we, we've explained it at at this point, but just realizing that just because someone is your agent or like your, your, um, I don't know, the person that you answer to at the agency, it doesn't mean that they have your best interest at heart. It doesn't mean they're rooting for you. And and don't forget, like, they work for you. Like, yes. it's not the other way around. You don't work for them. They work for you. If they don't get you jobs and you don't make money, they don't get paid. So I, I just say, like, advocate for yourself. Like, if you feel like you're getting an unfair rate, ask for more. I've done that all the time. And I have literally gotten my rates bumped up because they come with this like tiny rate. And like, that's not my day rate. Like, if you want me to do this job, ask for more. And they do. And I I would say 80% of the time, the the client will pay more. So it's just like, you don't have to go with everything they say. And also, uh, as far as like beauty standards and stuff, I feel like modeling, and I'm sure you feel this way as well, but like, I think not modeling as much anymore. I still like to this day, put so much uh, weight on how I look and like value in myself towards that, because that's how you're literally, you know, in the modeling industry, your value is your looks. And so I think you have to realize that if people are saying these things about you, like you're too short or your waist is too big or your hips are too big or whatever, it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with them. And like, you are perfect the way you are. And half the time, if you don't book a job, it's not because of how you look. It's just like, they want this one specific thing. And out of like hundreds of people, they found that one person. It's not like you're not good enough for that job. It's just not what they wanted for that one job, yes. you know? So I'm just like, don't put so much weight on, on how you look. Cause it's really, it doesn't come down to that every time. Yeah, really, it's so. as dumb as them being like, oh, this person has bigger nostrils and we want bigger <laughs> nostrils. It's like, yeah. yeah. What's yeah, up? Okay, in industry. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same people that made the crocheted hats. <laughs> okay, you had the well, right sized head. Yeah. <laughs> Beautifully said, Margot. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching this episode. This has been the debut of Sideshow with Ooh. Brenda Davies and Lauren Schweitzer. And we will link all of Margot's information below so you can find her online. Yes. And that's it. Please like, subscribe, share with your friends. Donate to my Patreon or Venmo if you can. Don't forget to check out next week's episode with Sarah Ziff. We love you so much. God bless. <laughs>